0: Am I crazy to have Jordan Poole that high? What about Fred Van Vliet? Well, I'm going to debate the rankings of those players, plus Alperen Shingun and Mikael Bridges with Sun. From The Athletic and from Razzball, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On
1: Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
0: Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed.
1: You are locked on fantasy basketball.
0: At redrock underscore b ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b ball and on Instagram at Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Dropped a mock draft show yesterday from pick one. There's gonna be a pick two show coming later today. Um, the rankings battles continue, and that's what we're gonna be doing on today's show, debating four players and uh, ripping the ass out of each other. Well, metaphorically, of course, yeah, you know, the other stuff you've got to pay for. Uh, on the other platforms. So we're going to talk uh, rankings of those four players. No more delays. Let's uh, let's crack in. All right, let's bring him in. I did say he was from Razzball. He's not from Razzball anymore. Razzball's gone. It's all about the athletic. It's all about DraftKings. Welcome in. Son, welcome. Good to have you.
1: Thank you very much, Josh. Um, honored to be here. Uh, before we begin, uh, I do want to say one thing um, just to let everybody, all the listeners know out there, Josh grinds his ass off to provide fantasy content for all you guys. Uh, He's also, you know, helped sell a bunch of the analysts and writers. um, And you know, I know he's grinding his, you know, just his ass off. A few years ago, you know, I reached out to him when I was, you know, had questions with projections and things like that. And you know, he was always kind enough to respond to me and to kind of help me out with that process. So uh, I just wanted to give you a shout out and let all the people know that. Uh, you know, you always have time for the little people like me. So shout out to
0: you, Josh. I don't know if you're the, li- the little people, mate, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I, I'm happy to help any, anybody who's uh, doing stuff in the industry and starting out. And it's, it's I can't believe it's been this long since, or well, for us to get you on, onto the show because that, yeah, that was about two, three years ago when you were reaching out yeah. and doing those, doing those projections. But here you are now, and we're ready to debate things. And, and you've, and you've come so far that you've got enough balls to now tell me how shit I am at a couple <laughs> of these projections. You're sitting here, you go, Josh. I see your list, and it's trash. And you're gonna have a crack at it. So we're gonna have a crack at one of them. We'll start with this first one that you picked out of my list. And I know that people are going to be interested to hear this one. We're gonna look at uh, we're gonna look at Jordan Poole. I just did a mock draft earlier today, and I got Poole at pick 49, which is bang on his ADP, but I got him much, much earlier than that. I've got him sitting in like the third round close to the second round. If I just have a quick look. Yeah, I've got him almost at the end of the second round. Now, I probably would never take him there knowing that in most situations I can get him at the back end of the third round. But what's wrong? What's, what's your problem?
1: Yeah, this one's tough and I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this because uh, I know... Hey, I'll, uh, I'll
0: get more heat, don't worry. People hate Jordan Poole.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the people love him. You know, you love him. You had him ranked 23. Uh, I know a lot of people that I respect in the industry You know, are really high on him as well. And I, I kind of get it, but, you know, when I, you know, sit back and kind of break things down, like, first off, he's going from a Warriors team, you a Steve Kerr offense, free-flowing, you know, better talent around him, to a West unskilled offense, where just literally just two years ago where the players were, like, questioning, him, hey, what's the direction, what's the structure of the team's offense? They were wondering if, you know, he was putting those guys in the best position to succeed. so that's one. Second thing is, like, I understand, like, he's going to get a ton of usage. I get it. And he's gonna put up a ton of shots. But you know, here's the thing like what at what cost is you know is that gonna come? So, you know, he shot what 43, 44 percent from the field over the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. Granted, you have to take into account that's with better teammates and in a better environment. Now, you know, he can get what 18 to 20 slots per game this this season, average four to five dimes, possibly. That's good. Freezer percentage is gonna be excellent, but you know, the turnover is gonna be over three probably grab three rebounds, no defensive stance. I mean, mm-hmm. well, at least they're going to be very minimal. Now, last season, there were 25 players who attempted at least 18 shots per game. Only five of them had a field goal percentage before, below 45%. LaMelo Ball, Trey Young, Terry Rozier, Cade Cunningham, Clay Thompson, only one of those players finished in the top 50. LaMelo at 30 on a per-game basis. Now, you know, Trey was 51st, but the thing is, those two guys, they're elite in dimes right so i mean you're getting seven eight you know maybe more dimes so that's not going to be the case for pool probably the best comparison clay thompson you know swap out some boards for dimes play finish 66 in per game rating personally i just don't see much difference between like an Amph- anthony simons type you know which you could get probably in the top 75 5 range now Poole may score, you know, what, three to four more points possibly, but the yep. rest of the package I feel like is very similar. So let me hear what you got.
0: Okay. There's a couple of things there that right. I agree with you that he will score a couple more points. He is he's quite similar to Hero. He's quite similar to um, Simons, as you mentioned. The difference here with, with with Poole to me is, yes, those three to four extra points actually make a pretty significant difference. He played 30 minutes a night last season, had a usage of 29 on Golden State. I, I think he's going to go over that. I think he's going to play more than 30 minutes a night. He had five free throw attempts at 87. Like, two years ago, he shot 93 from the line. Like if he gets 93 from the line on seven attempts, which I, I don't think is crazy if he plays three extra minutes a night, like that's already a legally thing. And you mentioned Trey Young being 51st. Well, that's just the the fault in rankings. Like that's just clearly not accurate. Like yeah, he's not, not he's not that player, right? And Poole might come in in those rankings around 50 as well. But that's garbage because he's just not that value of player. And it's it's going to be for some people, obviously it's a, a no-go because you don't want I think he's going to be 43% from the field. And that, for some people, will have no bearing or have no, no relevance on their team. But for the others that don't care about the field goals or have buffered at other places, he's going to score, let's say, conservatively, I'd say over 25 a game. I'd say that's conservative to get him to yeah. that number. Um, he's not also, he's not playing with a Scoot Henderson, who's an elite ball handler passer. Like, Tyce Jones is that, but he's very passive. So Paul's going to run the offense. Defensive stats, I agree. They're going to be bad. But part of it is just uh, the volume of free throws at that level, I think is going to be very impressive. Again, coming off the bench last season, he averaged five a game. And in 29 minutes a game over the last two months, he averaged six free throw attempts per game. Just get that to seven and a half and you shoot 90%. Well, that's already like To me, that 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 and 27 points with three threes, maybe six assists. I don't know what more you can ask for. It's not for everybody. You're right. There's going to be shit rebounds there. So, yeah, we, in terms of like you, we're looking at him and you're saying Josh, you got him too high, and I think third round for him is totally fine. I wouldn't do it in round two, um, but if I'm getting him in round four or round five, I'm pretty happy with that. But where do you have him? Like how how far are you taking him at that ADP number? Is that your spot for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably I'm not taking him unless you know, obviously, obviously, it's context, right? Team build, what you need, things like that. So. You know, as in terms of my rankings, where I have them now, I mean, it's closer to 100. Um, wow What? Yeah. So I, I mean, I got him. Like I said, you know, like I mean, I probably have Simons in the 75 to 80 range. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably, you know, he's probably similar to that.
0: And like you said, I think Hero was a pretty good comp too. Yep. Um, how would you, how would you compare him to like a Terry Rozier? Okay, so he's going to do more ball handling than Terry Rozier. He's a better passer than Rozier, and he's going to get to the line more than Rozier, and yep. he's a better, higher percentage free throw shooter than Rozier. Um, Rozier also has to compete with bridges, ball, and... Um, right. Miller maybe in terms of usage. Gordon Haywood there as well. And Rogier could also get traded at some point. I believe he's an expiring contract. I just don't think they're very similar players at all. I think Jordan Poole is going to be the focal point, even though he's technically a shooting guard. He's going to play the way that Bradley Beal played as the guy that just initiates basically most things. Tyce Jones is a point guard, but... Yeah, and he'll do that too, but he's not a he's not Contavious Caldwell Pope shooting guard, Jordan Poole. He right. is a combo guard, Devin Booker, Bradley Beale sort of role. He's not those players, but that's the role that he I believe he is going to play, which puts him in a very different situation than where Terry Rogier is.
1: Yeah, no, that's excellent points. Um, yeah, I mean it's probably ridiculous for me to have them at one hundred, but I guess I was kind of making a point where I'm probably never draft them unless like I'm really behind in scoring. Yep. Which you know, if I fall behind in scoring, then something's really went wrong in my draft in the beginning. Um, so yeah, I think you're, I mean for me, even if like best case scenario for me, I guess closer to the fifty range, forty range, top twenty five, because I feel like the guys in the top twenty five. Uh, it's it's difficult to poke holes in most of those guys. Either they have elite efficiency, or they're able to contribute across the board. Um, I just feel like there's just too many holes for me to kind of sign off on a on a top 25 ranking for him.
0: Yeah, look, I said I wouldn't take him there. Right, that's that's where a lot of the stuff came out. I've got a yeah. decent level of confidence in his um, health as well. That volume in those important categories, which are the higher volume ones, which dry up quicker, which is the three that drive up the quickest, points, assists, and free throws, and that's where he dominates, right? So that, that boosts him up to me. It's not about like where I can get all the blocks in round five or I can grab threes in round 11. Like what he does in the, the three big volumes that he's going to bring, assist not huge volume, but definitely above average, where assists average is like 3.7. Like he he could get close to double that, not quite, but those three categories, getting them early, because um, if, if you don't target them, but that's fine but if you want to target him you have to get him early you just can't yeah you can't do that later on and, and that gives him that little boost again it's not going to be for everybody but uh yeah. i appreciate your perspective because you'd offer a different perspective on that now we're gonna, we're gonna get into to talk about the next guy in just a second right. but today's episode is brought to you by bird dogs it's always a good day when i get up and put my bird dogs on the most comfortable shorts you'll ever find because i know when i put them on Whatever the day throws at me, I'm going to be able to cover whether it's sitting on the couch or sitting on my bed or sitting on a second couch or sitting on another chair. They're going to be comfortable. But in the rare case that I go outside and interact with humanity, whether it's at the shops or at a bar or at a restaurant or at a friend's house, bird dogs are going to be able to get me there that anyone questioning why you're wearing their shorts. Well, I'm wearing them because they're bloody comfortable and they also look great with their cloud knit fabric. It's gonna make your legs look great, nice little slimming through the thighs as well. Plus, their anti-stink sweat wicking fabric keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash or you enter the promo code locked on NBA at checkout, you get a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. All right. Now, the next one. You're going to have a go at me for this next one here as well. And it is the big fella in Houston, Alfred Shingun. I I think I know what you're going to say. I know what I'm going to say in reply to it. But right, let me have it. Let's go.
1: All right. I actually think your, your ranking isn't bad. I, you know, I just want an excuse to talk to Shingun just because yep. I love him. I love him so much. Um, I just think he's very skilled. Uh, I think he is well within the range of outcomes that he breaks out and and could far exceed his his draft uh, ADP. Um, you know, over the the summer, uh, Imai, Duka and Stone they've been talking positively about him. Uh, back in May, when Udoka first signed on with the Rockets, you know, he basically planned, or you know, granted it's just talk, but you know, he's kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll use him more in a, a jokic type role on offense. But I think the biggest thing for me was. Uh, you know he averaged what 28 minutes per game mm-hmm. i think that can go up over 30 because uh you know the prior regime silas i mean you know he's he he's just kind of messing around and clowning around and taking him out and and what i appreciated with the Doka was you know he basically clowned silas and was like yeah i'm not going to put my players in positions where it doesn't utilize their strengths or in positions where they cannot succeed and he kind of like you know focused on the defense like yeah drop coverage may not be the best scheme to utilize with, with Sangoon. so um I think he's gonna allow him uh to play defense to scheme a defense um you know to utilize the strengths of everybody and obviously you know Fred Van Vleed and Dylan Brooks are gonna help out with that uh from a defensive perspective I mean even with the silas scheme he still averaged what 0.9 steals 0.9 blocks per game so I think there's a chance that the defensive stats can increase as well. So I I do think that there's there could be an increase in usage on offense. He's a great passer, you know, he's a great scorer. So I think uh, we could see upticks across the board, both offensively and defensively. All
0: right. So let me defend myself here. I've got him at like sixty, right. which is ADP sixty one. but as I've said many times on this show, I said I I, I don't actually know that he's gonna Finish there. I think he could be 80th or I think he could be 30th because I'm not sure there's an in-between really here. And you say that you know, in May, Yudoku was hired and he came out and they talked up him up. Yeah, and then they went and tried to get 36-year-old Brook Lopez to start ahead of him. So, yeah, you know, just That's just it. <laughs> color me a little bit skeptical that they're bought yeah. in on Shingun being their guy. Um, he cops a lot of blame for his defense. I think it's incredibly overblown how bad defensively he is. I think he's okay. I don't say I think he's good, but I think he is okay. And if it was me... And I think his talent dictates this. He'd play 33, 34 minutes. But there's not one single thing that this dickhead organization has done to suggest they believe in him. And while we can criticize Silas, you know who had the the hand up Silas's ass and puppeting him? It was Rafael Stone, the bloke who's organizing everything, who hired Ima Yudoka, who was determining, hey, we've got to start Bruno Fernando so we can make Kevin Porter Jr. our guy. Cool. Good decision, Rafael. So I don't know that he's going to change his mind on that when it was very clear to basically everybody, that Schengen was their best player last season, and he was very obviously their best center last season, but they didn't buy it. And in on a team that the backup center was Bruno Fernando, and he still played only 29 minutes, it's embarrassing. Now, I would, again, I would play him a ton, and I think that in that range, in round early, late round five, early round six, I draft him every single time. Right now, you've got him in at the end of round four. I, I, I actually can get behind that a little bit, but my problem is that if they don't buy into it, and they go Jabari Smith- Tari Eason as the four and the five a lot of the time, and he gets benched for entire fourth quarters again. Well, it's just it's not going to happen here in Houston, and that's why I'm being a little bit scared about where they're going to position him. They also bring in Reggie Bullock today, who can play at the three and the four as well, meaning extra competition for those minutes to push Eason and Smith down. I just am worried that they are going to be an inept. So I'm not worried. They are an inept franchise. And that they're going to again limit what Shang-Goon does, and that makes it hard for me to go and, and take him with my fourth pick, say. So it's not that I don't believe in him. I think he's awesome. I think he's a top 25 player, just sort of waiting to happen. I just don't see it happening with the way. With and every indication I hear from Rockets reporters is like, I don't think they. I don't think they believe in him. And the Rockets reporters like, I don't get it. But the front office does not seem to feel that same way that, that we might feel about him.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's totally fair. I think uh, a common theme that we're going to discuss about on this pod is kind of like um, opportunity cost and you know range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like when you're drafting somebody, you know, if you're paying the top, you're paying the ceiling, uh, you're not leaving much room for profit. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the only way to go down is is down, even though it's a few ticks, you know, a few points here, whatever, a few, you know, you should stick there. Uh, that's huge. So. A lot of times, like you know, if you're able to uh, grab somebody below ADP or at cost, and you know there's some profit potential there, uh, you know I think that's that's the type of situation that you want to be in. I think Sangoon is more in the there's some room for profit potential because there is some uncertainty as to the situation, as you alluded to. uh, You know, do does the coach and the front office do they totally buy into him? Whereas, you know, I've also seen positive you know uh, news on that front, whereas not to take this back to Jordan Poole, because I think I'm going to, you know, it, it all ties them together, but say like Jordan Poole, I mean, his, his draft costs, I mean, the helium has just taken off, you know, once everybody was like, yeah, he's going to be the guy, you know, he's going to get all the usage. So, I mean, you're pretty much acquiring him at ceiling. I mean, you're expecting at the highest, you know, at the highest range of outcomes. Whereas, you know, I feel like, you know, there's some, uh, you know chance of you know not really fulfilling that that cause and there, there's room to the downside whereas i feel like you know sanguine is on the kind of the opposite spectrum of that
0: I think that depends though. Like if you're drafting Paul at his Yahoo ADP or Fantrax, it's at 50. So I think there's room to yeah, grow. True. If you're getting him yeah, at-, he's at ESPN, ADP is 28 and you're right. There is no real upside at 28 in taking Jordan Paul. And so it's something I'd be super interested in doing because you're right. It is all about that value. And Shengun probably at that 60 mark, it- it's sort of in the middle where it can go yeah. either way, 20 spots. I think when you push it further, like you have to me, that means that like you switch the 50, 50 to a 25, 75, still got upside. Like he can still jump 15 spots, 20 spots. Spots from there easily, but the balance of probabilities means it probably pushes down in my mind. It probably pushes sure. down uh, more often than not. Now I've got I've got two that I want to pick on you about from your okay, list. Sure. We're going to get to that. We'll get to that in a sec. All right. Because today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season. See that they said "snap" because you snap the ball in the NFL. That's how smart this this ad read is. It's NFL season. It's FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Now, I've been dreading doing this FanDuel read because last week I was telling everybody that the Dolphins are going undefeated and they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't sharp about it until they lost well they lost so yeah um do whatever you want i don't care about the nfl anymore it's all over to me (laughs) the dolphins uh whatever just do whatever you want just go on to fangel though because you'll get the bonus bets but bet on whoever you want because it doesn't matter anymore and all this stuff is pretty meaningless so visit fangel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season fangel is an official partner of the nfl and don't forget to gamble responsibly Okay. Okay. So now, now it's my turn to have Uh a a crack over here and Uh we're going to talk Mikhail Bridges. Now it's very common to see him go in round two. If you look at Yahoo's rank number on their side, not their X rank, their rank, he's at five, which is, please don't do it. Please don't ever do that. Please don't take him anywhere near that first round. That's Clearly insane. Um his ADP is 19. You've got him up at 15, which is very, very early. Um, I, I don't want to preempt your arguments for for it, but tell me why I shouldn't tell you that you're wrong.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because you know, what five, less than five minutes ago we're talking about kind of you know opportunity costs, mm. range of outcomes, things like that. So yeah, obviously I'm not leaving myself too much room for profit potential. Um, no, I'm definitely at the higher a higher end of the range of outcomes yeah no, for sure I think um, you know prior to his breakout last year mm-hmm. uh you know he was known as a guy that you know contributes a little something something in every category without hurting you anywhere and that had value right yep. but then yep. you know before the trade deadline Phoenix you know obviously with injuries and things like that they put him in a high usage role and he was able to thrive yep. and then when he got traded to Brooklyn it was wheels up I mean granted the efficiency came down a little bit but, you know, he was able to produce at a very, very high level with, what, a 30% usage rate. And so, for me, seeing that, uh, seeing his ability to thrive in that environment, um, you know, that just gave me a lot of confidence. Because outside of the efficiency, none of his other, you know, all of his other numbers were able to he Like, he was
0: able to maintain his defensive stats. So, uh, well, you know, with Was the, he, though? Okay, average, well, I mean, would he have, over the final 16 games, he averaged 0.8 steals and 0.5 blocks. And two years or three years ago, he's averaging one point four steals, like one point two. Yeah. Um, and well, keep sorry if I interrupt you, but like those, no, 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 that, can... that, that's my worry. That well, one of my worries with him, and I've, I still have him in the third round, right? But that we are ex- expecting a lot of stuff to happen here that I'm not convinced is going to. And the defensive stats, I I don't know that they stay at elite. I think they might be below average. Okay,
1: no, that's totally fair. Um, I think, you know, the one thing for both of our arguments is that the sample size is still pretty small. Sure. Was it what, 20, 25 games, 28 games, something like that. So um, whether he, you know, I can definitely hear that argument that because of the high usage role, more emphasis on offense, that his focus on defense is kind of mitigated and he doesn't want you know, to, you know, shoot the passing lanes and things like that. So I can see that too. But at the same time, I, I can also make the argument that, now that he's been in that role and he's kind of adjusted to it, now he has a whole off season to kind of reflect and do like that. Now he's a little bit more comfortable and he can get back to his bread and butter, so to speak. And then if you can combine that with, you know, the 20 plus scoring and you know, maybe some upticks and assists, you know, he's he you know, he talked about being trying to be more of a playmaker and things of that nature. Also the addition of Ben Simmons may may help him as well um taking some of the load off I don't know but you know there are some things there where I feel like the floor is incredibly high and I think you know he's shown his ability to access the ceiling and I think the final thing to the component here is that I mean the dude just plays Mm. (laughs) he played every freaking game and like you know especially in the top you know couple rounds I mean there's a lot of guys in there where man you're like if they play 65 games I'm fucking happy, right? So, you know, you're getting a guy that, I mean, there's a really good chance that he's playing 80 games. That has a ton of value to me.
0: Yeah, or he gets hurt, and then all that value. Yeah, you know, right. right. Did, and then it's, yeah, playing exactly. games means nothing, right? So <laughs> I, I don't want to draft guys on the basis that they're not going to get hurt, because we, we just don't know. What I do want to point good. out, though, is that over the final 16 games, he averaged 27 points per game. He had 32 usage. We want to talk about Jordan Poole's usage. Like, that's, yeah, you know, there's enough. But what, what Bridges did, right? was he started not getting to the rim as much. He started relying upon these pull-up mid ranges, and they, the efficiency wasn't there. He was under 46% over those final 16 games. He was at 42% over the final seven games. And you talk about assists. Well, he averaged 2.4 over the final 16 with 4.2 rebounds. And with Simmons there, he's not getting more assist opportunities. Like, if Dinwiddie and Simmons are starting... When is Bridges getting... Like, he's not an assist player. He's not a rebounder. The defensive stats, I think, are going to drop. And again, this makes me feel like I hate him. I think he's going to be really high usage, a really good scorer. He might average 27 with three threes, but below average rebounds, below average assists, maybe average steals, below average blocks. Um, Free throws, really, really strong. Field goals will be probably below average, but it depends. It depends. Is he going to rely upon pull-up mid-range twos? Is he going to start doing more of the high-value shots that he did in Phoenix? I I don't know, because previous years, 54 from the field, 53 from the field, last season, 47, and went down as we went on through the season, as his role went up. So that, to me, puts him closer to the 30 mark versus early second, whereas if you look at his overall numbers last season, they're pretty strong, but there's a whole big difference in role. And then, as you said, there's the Simmons factor. What the hell does that do? Does it make him better? Does it take the ball out of his hands in terms of playmaking more? I honestly don't know. And I just, I'm not taking a pick 15. I haven't seen him do it. And what I did see him do in that number one role, to me, wasn't worth that pick.
1: That's fair. Um, I could totally buy that. Um, I think the argument makes has a lot of validity and, 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 you know, there's a lot of credence to it. I guess my counter to that would be... Uh, I guess when you were talking and explaining like the whole situation in terms of like you know the type of shots that he was trying to you know the type of usage and things like that was my mind immediately went to Kate Cunningham, yep, and um, you know he started relying on a different shot diet, uh, but as the season went on, he kind of got more comfortable and he started to figure out things about what he can do, what he cannot do, uh, what he got more comfortable, and then. Once he got more comfortable, then he just kind of took off. You know, obviously, you know, he got hurt and things like that. But um, whether it happens to Mikhail or not, that remains to be seen for sure. But everything that I've read about him in terms of, you know, the type of player he is, you know, work ethic, blah, 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 all that stuff. I just have a lot of confidence that um, having a whole offseason, having already gone through that type of like high usage role, I have a lot of confidence that he can learn from that and kind of adapt and then he knows what to expect um and that you know he'll be able to kind of mix and match to where it blends all together now like you said the big caveat here is there is going to be a change in dynamics on the team uh, first off, i don't think spencer dinwiddie is going to be starting um you know if ben simmons plays i yeah i think you know he's more like six-man role but that's you know here or there but ben simon is the big factor here um, so, yeah, there's definitely some uncertainty in that situation. So, yeah, we don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I do feel like just because of the nature of his game, it's just so well-rounded uh, that, you know, the floor is so high and I feel like, you know, there's he, he's shown access to ceiling, and I, I think he can get there.
0: The last one we're going to talk about, we go back to the Houston Rockets to talk about their new starting point card. And, of course... We're talking about Fred Van Vliet, who I have around the end of the second round, if I'm just doubling, I've got him at like sort of nineteen twenty around that sort of an area. But you, you have him all the way down in the forties. <laughs> That's round four for Fred Van Vliet. So Fred Van Vliet for reference, last season played thirty seven minutes a night, and I'm not we're not gonna get a pushback here. We agree he's not gonna play that much. Although, although, son, he played like Imo Yudoka played his starters a lot in Boston. Not, I saw that. Not Nick Nurse numbers, but Tatum and Brown played a lot. So, yeah, Marcus Smart played a lot. It's not to say that he's going to play 32 a night. Like, I've got him at 35, 34 around that area. It's not Nick Nurse 37, but it is going to drop. But last season, he averaged 19 points, hit three threes, four rebounds, seven assists, 1.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. Actually averaged 2.2 steals over the final 22 games of last season. Horrible shooter. We know this. Horrible field goal guy, high free throw player. Apart from losing a couple of minutes, I'm not sure what's going to change for him
1: okay
0: what 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 puts, i mean, what puts him down into that you know fourth round zone for you
1: yeah i there's just too much uncertainty and it, it, you know like i said it goes back to the you know opportunity cost range of outcomes yep. and i think you know everybody you know we're all like the protection system and everything i mean if you look at his his history it's pretty easy to project he's one of the easiest guys to project right because boom it's just his career average his averages over the last three four years it's just basically the same You just type it in and i think a lot of people are just kind of taking those numbers and just transposing them to houston where i feel like there's a lot of there's more uncertainty than people are given credit for um and you know you already talked about the minutes so that in of itself is going to be huge but i mean we don't know his role it's sure. a new city, it's a new team, it's a new coach, it's a new offensive scheme, new defensive scheme, there's new you know, teammates, you know, like for example, like just say say they do love Sengun and they give him the joke role, and you know, he's usually increases eight percent, right? I mean, that's obviously affects Fred Van Lee right there, right? So, you know, does he become more of a spot up shooter? Does he become more of a facilitator? Do the steals come down? You know, I mean, if it goes down to 1.4, I mean, that in and of itself is, is pretty big. So, That's true. I, so I'm not saying that it's not possible that, you know, he can return the top 20, you know, value because he's been so consistent. We know what type of player he is. I just feel like there's just, you know, like I said earlier, like tying everything, you know, the opportunity costs and, and just, you know, range of outcomes and, and things like that. Like, I just feel like there's more downside uh, to Fred Van Vliet and I'm not willing to pay a ceiling outcome for a player where uh, me personally, I just, there's a lot of uh, unknowns that it just, yeah, it, it just scares me. So that's why I, I got them down basically.
0: But you're willing to pay a ceiling outcome for Mikhail Bridges. How very curious, how very Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I, knew, I, I knew that was coming, <laughs> but I, I, think, I
1: think the difference w- between those two is that um, outside of the Ben Simmons edition, you know, if he does even come, <laughs> but you know, it's basically the same team, uh, same coach, yeah, same system. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, same system. I mean, you know, who knows? Fred Van Vliet might have gotten so used to the cold that he goes to Houston <laughs> and then he's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like, he may not like the local cuisine, you know, the, the, not the new house that he's in right? The
0: guys next door might be I out. The, again, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm I, just talking shit. No, no but, but this is all, this is all true though, because players that join new teams, there is often yeah. some sort of a hit, right? There is something that goes on most of the time where it's like, oh what are we doing here? Like, how do I fit in? It's going to a new team versus having a new coach come to your team. It, it's the change. There is n- not even remotely close. Going to a new team has an impact on guys. And, and I do agree with that. And I think probably end of round two is a, a more reasonable, even if it's round three for free Van Vliet. But like He's also going in some crazy spots. in spot. I think he's on ESPN, got an ADP of 60, which I, I don't I really understand that in the slides. Yeah, so double-check where that is. It's, well, it keeps changing. It's 69. They're, ESPN ADPs, by the way, they're fishy. There's something wrong. They're changing 20 <laughs> spots every week, and that, to me, is manipulation. There's no way that there's that many drafts going on that are changing the ADPs that quickly and by that amount, but he's now down at 69, and his rank is 27 on their categories. That doesn't add up to me. But in round three, the end of round two, which is a bit of a weird dead zone, I think, to me, that area, um, I feel all right about Fred. I I don't have any concerns about his actual role. And it's not like he got by last season on having extraordinarily high usage or being a 20-point-per-game scorer, because he wasn't. He wasn't a 20-point-per-game scorer. So it's not like, wow, someone else is going to take um, all these shots away, because Pascal Siakam was already doing that last season. And I would argue that his teammates are probably worse this season than they were last year.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that that's totally fair. You know, I, I hear you shit on ESPN uh, quite often, and I totally agree with you. Like, do you think it's a bot that, that's doing it or is it actually somebody that's going in there doing it manually?
0: No, I, I know that there are people that are doing the actual rankings. Okay. I know that they don't get afforded the amount of time that they need to do it. Um, mm. They push in many different positions and they don't get the resources developed. The ADP stuff, I've got no idea what's going on because the players are jumping 30 spots a week or dropping 30 spots and there's absolutely no way that the... Um, that the drafts are happening and changing things that much. There's Someone is man- manually, I think, manipulating that. I, I don't know for sure, but it just seems a little bit fishy. And the other, my problem with the ESPN is like, you just can't use players. Like, you can't add Vasily Mitchich. He's not in their database. Like, the bloke was drafted 10 years ago. Can't add him. Can't add Dominic Barlow, who literally played in the NBA last season. And there's got to be other examples out there. And that's going to happen all through the year. That's part of my frustration with it. Um, but we don't need to go on an ESPN rant uh, over here. They'll do it. We're done. That's the end. That's your first appearance on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, son. It's great to have you here to have these chats uh, regarding these players. Tell people what you got cracking over at the the Athletic at the moment.
1: Yeah, you know, Eric Wong brought me on last year to help him out. Um, You know, he's like basically, you know, fantasy, you know, fantasy basketball elite. He's won a lot of high stakes, you know, uh, contests. So, uh, yeah, I was very honored that, you know, he was able to bring me aboard. So I'm just trying to help him out with, you know contact over there fantasy basketball so yeah you know check out fantasy basketball content over there at the athletic myself and eric wong i think we're pumping out some pretty good content and then um you know i do stuff for DraftKings. That's it's more daily fantasy oriented uh but yeah i'm doing that over there but um i just wanted to thank you you know this is a, this is a great time joss uh um, much appreciated for you know all you do for the community and uh you know for bringing me on board to you know kind of talk loops with you
0: Absolutely, man. It was great. We'll get you back on soon. Thank you for coming on. Go follow him over on Twitter and check out the stuff over the at Athletic. See you later. And that will do it for me today. Amazing that in all these ADP ranking battles, I'm undefeated. Oh, what a result. You couldn't, couldn't have picked that. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.